Thank you for listening to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast, available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Amazon Music. Also, please follow Matt's Movie Reviews on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Instagram, X, and Rumble. And of course, be sure to visit mattsmoviereviews.net for the latest reviews, top 10 lists, and more. Now, onto the show. Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Perkovich, and this is episode number 565. Releasing October 26 in Australian cinemas is Monolith, a sci-fi mystery that stars Lily Sullivan as a disgraced journalist who takes on the job as a host for a clickbait conspiracy theory podcast. Soon, this new gig brings with it mind-bending revelations that points to an alien conspiracy. A potent blend of sci-fi drama and dread-induced horror led by a terrific central performance from Dilly Sullivan. Monolith also marks the feature film debut of director Matt Vesely. I'm glad to say he joins me now on the podcast. Matt, how are you? I'm well. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you for having me. It's really interesting having you on here and just listening to some different interviews you've done and just looked up your um, your filmography and such. And this is your feature film debut, but you've been really busy before that as a script supervisor, working on shows and working on a lot of your short films as well. When it comes to your short films, the films that you've directed, you are like the main writer of those films as well. But when it came to your feature yeah. film debut, you have Lucy Campbell, who's a main writer uh, for Monolith. How did it come about that Lucy yeah. got in touch with you? How did it all come about that you two kind of like um, collaborated on this um, project? Um, because uh, I always, I usually find that when I talk to uh, filmmakers, especially for strong shorts background, that their first films are come from their own pen. So I'm just curious how it all yeah, came yeah. about. Well, the film was developed in uh, a lab initiative called the Film Lab New Voices Program and it, by the South Australian Film Corporation and the Adelaide Film Festival. So the idea was to give first-time feature filmmakers a shot at making their first film um, for a fixed budget. This is the other reason why there's only one actor in the film. We're kind of designing a film knowing 
that we were making a micro budget film from the start rather than trying to scale something back as we went along. So, and Lucy, um, and it was, it was part of that kind of a nip to kind of build more, uh, bigger teams, build new teams, give more people a shot. And it was Lucy who came up to me and said, Hey, look, I think we'd get a better chance of getting this initiative. If, um, if we apply together, what do you think? And I was already working with Bettina, our producer. And Lucy took me out for breakfast. We had a coffee and we'd been working together. She's worked on TV stuff that I've done. We've known each other for years. And um, she, when we sat down and had coffee, it was like our tastes were so aligned. We felt we just liked the same stuff. We really clicked on everything. And it felt like a really good fit. And I tell you, like, as you say, like I'd always imagined that I would um, write I wouldn't direct anything that I hadn't written was kind of what I thought. As you say, my shorts I've written, I've ri- I'm still writing features, but I loved the process of collaborating with someone else. I loved the freedom of um, being able to separate that part of my brain and like just concentrate on one aspect of the filmmaking to be able to rely on someone else to trust someone else to do that part of the work, to have objectivity when you're directing, to kind of not be sort of tangled up in it so much in your head. You can kind of like look at it with a bit of distance was really helpful. And I just really loved collaborating with Lucy. Like we, we just really clicked really well. She did an amazing job. Like I think she wrote a better script than I ever would have. So it just it just felt like a good fit. So much so we're going to try to do it again. The three of us are um, working on our next film together. Um, and we've got projects, you know, that we're developing each of us as well. But we just really liked that this sort of tripod that we had, the producer Bettina Hamilton, Lucy and myself, that we just feel like we'd love to keep that development going. So we're really collaborative. Like, you know, we were in this lab pitching We from a one-page idea that I'd written um, that I'd workshopped with the guys that we took into the lab that became Monolith. And, you know, we were sitting there breaking thematic ideas and story beats together. Um, and then Lucy would go off and, you know, all the characters are hers, all the kind of there's some great revelations towards the end of this film that are all hers. But, it, it did feel like when I got to directing it, I'd been a, I'd been there the whole way, so I felt I, like I knew the script very intimately. The character that Lily plays in the movie um, is interesting in that she's a podcaster. I mean, she did come from kind of like more traditional mm-hmm. media. Something happened with her career before the film even starts. We know she's like in a in a down place, but she becomes like this podcaster, mm-hmm. and it's a occupation that I think fits the story so well because to me the the thing that really sticks with me coming from myself, you know, doing podcasting myself and yeah, being yeah. A part of that world and also coming from a more traditional, you know, media background with articles and features and now doing this kind of stuff as well, is the power that like audio words, especially um, when put together and, and edited and, and structured and put out there, the effect that that can have on a populace or a community of people that listen to you. And it kind of reminds me in a sort of way that, like back in like the really early days before TV, we know radio plays on 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 the radio, and mm-hmm. um, like you hear these stories about War of the Worlds and Orson Welles narration was yeah. just so authentic that people actually freaked out and thought that there were alien invaders coming down to to Earth. I think um because we're in, in such a visual age, um, that people tend to forget just how potent. Uh, the audio experiences when it comes to words, um, interviews, storytelling as well, like true crime podcasts, et cetera, and the type of podcast that Lily character does as well, um, just how potent mm. that kind of um, uh, storytelling and t- that type of, and I'm going to use the word loosely, um, journalism is when it comes to <laughs> um, uh, today's world. Is that something that really kind of yeah. spoke to yourself and, and Lucy in regards to um, Lily's character? 
Yeah, absolutely. Like we, um, the actual initial idea that I pitched the guys was about a psychologist interviewing a series of people after an alien abduction. And it was Bettina, our producer, who said, what about a podcast? Uh, there's something really, as you say, very um, relevant and current about the relationship we have with that kind of media. Um, I think I think what's so interesting about podcasting especially is that the way you as a listener engage with a podcast, it really feels like they're talking to you and only to you. There's, a, there's so many examples of the people you kind of have these parasocial relationships with your favorite podcast. Like they feel like they're your friends, especially if you listen to something that's a bit more fun or like, you know, I listen to a lot of video gaming podcasts and stuff. You really feel like they're, you know them. And do you really, I guess is a question that, that we all have. And, and there's this sort of implicit trust in that relationship. And that's something that we obviously, you know, get really into in the film. And the film is so much about like, the power of controlling a narrative, the power of being the one that gets to share a story, even more so than the if it's your story in the first place and and the way you can manipulate that story, but also the way, like, can we trust the people who are telling us these stories was a question mm. that we really wanted to kind of get into. And that works on multiple layers in the film. Obviously, Lily's dealing with this, Lily's character is interviewing all these people around the world. She's investigating a kind of a strange paranormal possibly extraterrestrial object that has been appearing around the world, this black brick. And she's listened to all these stories of people sharing their experience, but she's not sure at first whether to believe them. Are they are they just trying to cash in on a fad? Are they messing with her? Is it all in their head? She doesn't know. But she's dealing with that. As an audience, we're dealing with can we trust Liz? The film goes along. She seems to have her own motivations and we're wondering whether we can trust her. And then I think there's a third layer, which is like as filmmakers, we're making this film that, you know, it's a horror kind of thriller. It's constantly, you know, messing with your expectations within scenes as to whether something's mm-hmm. going to happen or not. I think there's that third voice as well, which is like us as filmmakers. I don't know if you as an audience can trust us either. And we're, so we're really interested in all of those things, exactly as you say, is the kind of world of new media that we're in. It's like the, the truth is so malleable now that it may not even exist. And I think we're kind of seeing that now with what's happening with uh, the war in uh, the current that's, um, war between Israel and Palestine and a lot of the different coverage happening there. People seem to be taking signs and narratives have been going back and forth in regards to that. And then you have the advent of artificial intelligence as well and the things that come oh, man, with that. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, yourself as a, I'm sure yourself as a consumer of podcasts and news as well, just as much as I am and other people listening as well, um, do you think we're going to be hitting a point very soon in our lives where it's going to be very hard to um, um, separate um, the fact from fiction even more than before? I mean, right now we're really kind of lapping over lines, but I think with the emergence of artificial intelligence and kind of like the Wild West attitude um, that a lot of that stuff has there out now out in the in the uh, new media sphere, so to speak, um, there's a um, potential for some really big danger there. Absolutely. I mean, I think we're already there to- be honest like I, I, it's really interesting thinking about um kids going through school today they'll have to learn how to i mean a big thing that they'll be taught is is to question their sources all the time and it'll be a skill you have to learn it's like whenever you read anything to try to make sure you know where it's come from and how it's generated so you can ascertain whether it's something it's worth believing or not um i think man i think we're already there and as you say it's 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 pretty terrible and that's stuff that we play, you know, there's 
because other thematic stuff controls that story becomes there's sort of a, a story about um and class and and wealth going on in the film too but man i think that was where we started that was, i mean where the concept started was this interest in um how new media has rendered truth so hard to gauge um i think is is super fascinating it's something that i hope the next generation will be will be better equipped to deal with than than our generation or the generations older than us who i think are probably more susceptible to it because we grew up like we could read a newspaper and you know there were biases in the newspaper of course but if they're presenting facts we could normally trust them um or at least we thought we could that maybe is naive of me as well but now you know that you can't you just can't believe anything um and man what a terrifying what a terrifying world when it comes to lily's character um in this film of kind of like um, ambiguity and, and deceptions and, and conspiracy, you, there's a real kind of central dramatic core, and I think Lily does a terrific job in the film um, portraying that. I mean, pretty much every frame in the film is on her, and a lot of times her feel, her face fills the frame as well. She has such a, a terrific ex- expressive mm. uh, face as well. Um, what was it like, number one, finding her for this role, and number two, working with her? Um, knowing that you it was going to be a, a small crew, you potentially going to be just on the one set, and you're going to have the the one actor having carrying the heavy load of a of this very kind of dialogue uh, and mood driven uh, screenplay. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Like we we were sort of we were nervous about casting it because it's one of the you know the the movie's going to live or die on that, and um, we're so lucky to get Lily. And actually, we have to make the film very quickly. We we the lab we had to deliver for Adelaide Film Festival here in October. So I think we got in much. So it was all moving very, very fast. Um, and so we had to cast very quickly. And it was actually Bettina, our producer, um, very connected. She knows all the agents. She's a very experienced uh, television line producer. So she was reaching out to agents, trying to work out who was out there. And it was Lily's agent who sent back, hey, I've got this woman. She's just shot Evil Dead Rise, but it's not coming out for a while. Um, she's up for a new challenge. Like, what do you think? And Watched her real, realized I'd seen her in in films like Galore, and I'd mm. seen her in The Other Guy, which is a, um, a stand TV show, and she was a standout in that. I thought, and so it was this moment of like, okay, she's great. We and we knew she could act. That's her body of work. She's been working since she was quite young. And she's she's a very experienced actor. Um, she's got this great voice, which is great for a podcaster really captivating face, all those things you say. We, we were sort of like, oh, she'll be great. She fits the role. We know that. And instead of, so instead of auditioning her, what we all we did was Zoom with her to see all those things you say about, like, is she going to be up for doing a small film? Like, on, on an independent film like this, you kind of own their role and, like, um, and not just cast but crew as well. Everyone's kind of going to be up for the fight. It's like you, they've got to be up for kind of getting down in the mud and, like, being willing to, like, you know, put in that extra mile and really kind of want to be there. You can't have someone who's there just to do a paycheck or, or kind of roll through it. So, and it was really clear as soon as we spoke to Lily that really excited by the challenge. Um, she so down to earth that we felt very confident that she was going to be a great um, uh, personality on set or a great collaborator and they were the things we were really worried about and, and that she was she was just so committed to it she's a she's a really interesting actor she's she's very um you know as you say it's a dialogue driven film 
very internal. There's a lot of stuff on Lily when she's not talking as well. We're listening and she's listening. There's a lot of her listening in the film. But she um, is a very instinctual actor. She doesn't like to over-intellectualise things. She's not one of these actors that, like, needs to know all of her backstory and, and kind of, you know, figure out the action in every single line. She likes to work with her body a lot. So she she would work physically even when it's a very it's a dialogue-driven scene. She'd be doing push-ups before a tape because she likes mm-hmm. to, like, engage her real adrenaline. Or if it's a scary scene or whatever, she's supposed to be feeling afraid or upset she'd like to like make her body feel that way and so which was super interesting and so for me it was really just about getting out of her way and making sure she had everything on set that she needed to kind of feel comfortable so we would do things like let her call action she's supposed to be isolated and alone in this house so obviously even with a small crew there's a lot of people running around it's noisy and so what we would do is the first idea would call roll sound or call roll camera and once we were all set he'd give the set to lily and Lily would just spend anywhere from 30 seconds to a few minutes with the cameras rolling, just kind of in her own world, just waiting. And she would give a little nod to the camera to say when she was ready. And then we'd just quietly call it and let her go. It was just things like that that just really helped her because, as I say, she just she just wants to feel it. She wants to feel it in her body. And that was um, super impressive to watch. There was a couple of times we were behind the split, you know, there's one early phone call where she's talking to a German art collector, Klaus, and we do, as you said, there's this full frame shot of her face. She's just listening for most, but listening to this story. And that was the moment we kind of looked at each other behind the split and we're like, wow, we found the right person here. She's so captivating. Um, and so we're so lucky to have her. The Matt's Movie Reviews podcast is brought to you by T Public. T Public is the world's largest marketplace for independent creators to sell their work on the highest quality merchandise. With over 1.2 million designs, Public is sure to have something you love. Please support Matt's movie reviews on Patreon. Get access to exclusive content, request movie reviews and top 10 lists, and help support my work. Please click on the Patreon link in the description below. She's a, he's a terrific actor, and I remember seeing her in... Um, or the, or the projects you talk about, and then when I saw Evil Dead Rise and what she did in that film with the physical aspects of, of her of her acting repertoire, I think it was just fantastic. And she really brings that to the fore uh, in your movie as well, like especially her facial expressions and the, the way that she reacts mm. to different conversations. Speaking of those conversations, how did it work on set? Because she's speaking to different people on the phone. Um, as she said before, there was like a German art dealer. There's different characters as well that come in and out in, through phone conversations. Um, how does that work on set? Do you actually have actors off screen? Do you have people call in? How do you make it all work um, that these conversations uh, come about so naturalistic as they do on camera? Yeah, it's an interesting challenge. I mean, I think in an ideal world, you'd have all of your cast there. But because we're such a low-budget film, I'll give it a great example as well. There's a great film called Lock with Tom Hardy, I don't yeah. know if you've seen that film, but it's yeah. yeah, it's just him in a car talking on the phone in real time. And the way they did that film is they literally had all the other cars in a hotel room calling him live and they would do the whole film in one take. And I think they shot it over three nights, they did it three or four times and then cut the film together, which is amazing. We couldn't afford to like have our cast there. We had to shoot very quickly. It would have slowed down the shoot a whole bunch of reasons it wasn't gonna work. So we we're gonna do them in post. And we and we cast some amazing actors. We've got Damon Harriman and Eric Thompson, Lynn Cooper-Tan, Kate Box. We've got some incredible Australian actors in doing these voices. 
And so we knew we wanted that kind of caliber of actor that we were going to have more access to them if, if we could do it, you know, okay, we only need you for three hours, come into a recording booth and do the session. So, but one thing I was really keen on doing is, uh, is not doing that first. We talked about doing that first, but I did a short called System Arrow, which is about a, a robot that works at a convenience store. And, and our actor, David Quirk, our human actor, was was playing as a recording and it was just so hard for him. I could watch him like I, he, the, the robot can't change their performance and he just had to like fit this recording. It just It's just no good. And at the same time, you don't want like a, you know, me or a first AD just reading the cold reading the dialogue. It doesn't give really much to work with. So what we did is we had one actor, her name's Ansuya Nathan. She's a great actor and writer. I've been working with her for a year at, at the company and she plays Paula in the film. Um, the daughter of Florence remains the first email that um, leaves. Um, and so we had her on set the whole time and she would be in another room doing all the characters but literally piped into Lily's headphones. So for Lily's, for Lily's intents and purposes, she was listening to a phone call but and so it was just down the hall and our sound team's kind of rigged it up so that it kind of can feed through into her headset. And it just meant that, um, you know, she's actually acting, you know, because acting is so much about working with someone else and responding and listening that Lily could actually do that. And, and because we're not using Ansu's takes apart from her character um, for the other takes, you know, when she's playing Klaus, the German art collector, when she's, you know, Ansu's performance was lovely, but she's not an elderly German man. So, you know, no. <laughs> it did make more sense when we replaced it. Um, but she could, but Lily could ask for things that maybe we wouldn't want in that performance, but just helped her. So she could be like, she could go to Ansuya and be like, "Hey, on this line, can you really yell at me? I just want to. I just want loud noise in that moment. I, like that'll help trigger me again, physically trigger me to get to that next beat that I need to get to." And so it allowed us, in the end, a flexibility that I think really helped Lily. Um, it was really, and Ansuya was such a great collaborator again on set. I could trust her to kind of do that stuff. Um, so it ended up really great. And then, what, and then in post, you know, we've cut the film. It's 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 a lot of kind of um, pretty long takes, so we didn't want to edit too much so we get those voice actors in they would look at a rough cut or towards the end of the the process sometimes it was a locked cut and they just they bounce off lily's performance and we would kind of kind of more like a, an adr or dialogue replacement session or voice recording you know like a for a cartoon or whatever just really kind of fitting that stuff and and just working with them to kind of fit that performance and find those beats to match lily um which worked really well and those actors were so um open to that it was great they were such experienced actors that like you kind of feel bad being like okay i need this actually like 15 percent faster so it's gonna fit um but they were so up for it they were so professional that they're you know they're used to that from from their own dialogue re replacement session so it's, we're very lucky to get those actors yeah speaking of uh the post-production process um the feeling of dread throughout monolith is very strong very palpable and there's a lot of reasons why. I mean, the way to use you use the the creeping camera during certain kind of scenes in the movie is really effective. The performances, the story. Um, but I got to say as well, the score by Benjamin Speed is simply yeah fantastic. I, I love the work that he he does in, in this movie. And he's a he's a composer for film and TV. He's been around for a while, and I think this is some of the best work that he's put uh, on screen so far. Um, when you have um, get to that stage, when you're doing compositions for the the film, what type of conversations you have with Benjamin in regards uh, to the film? And, and can I ask also ask as well, is there any plans 
or ideas of releasing a soundtrack or a Spotify playlist of the compositions from the movie? Because I, I love to be able to um, hear on, on, on its own because I think it's just terrific. I haven't talked to Ben about that, whether we're going to do that. He's, he does do that for his other films. So, um, yeah, we should chat to him and see if we can get it out because, you know, and he composed a great song for the credits as well. That's him singing in that, at the end. And, um, no, I've, I've collaborated with Ben for a while um, and he's a, a brilliant composer and, and interestingly, like he watched the first cut. Like, one of the big influences on the film, our, our film was Michael Haneke. There's something about Haneke who, that he presents um, like horrible things happening in a very plain way. It's almost like it's just it's so real that it makes it more terrifying or something. Mm. And so we, I was really interested in that kind of aesthetic. Now, interestingly, Haneke's films don't have a lot of music, if any, and Ben. Ben loves Haneke. He's a composer and he loves this director that doesn't use music very much. He watches the first cut and he's like, oh, man, we should make it like a Haneke. Like, like oh, it's music. And we're like, it's okay, Ben. You can, you can do some stuff. But, but that, I mean, that's all, always a great place to start with a, working with a composer when they just want what's best for the film. It's not about them. And, and yeah, his stuff's really subtle um, some really interesting textures that he uses. He was working in concert with Lee Kenyon, the sound designer, as lo- a lot as well. There's there's a lot of that stuff that is it's really un- it's really tough to gauge whether it's sound design or music. It's like somewhere in between. So they were bouncing back and forth with different different beds and textures. That okay, I'll take this stuff and you take that stuff. Um, and really working in concert. The the only stuff that I gave him before he got started. There's, we use a lot of big percussion in the film and. Mm-hmm. And what I liked about that is it's it's this again it's sort of unsettling. It's kind of strange for what is this quite a sedate film to have this big, quite traditional analog percussion in it. Um, thunderous at moments when not nothing very thunderous is happening. Um, and I liked again that that would unsettle the audience or they wouldn't trust. Um, you know, uh, they they couldn't trust what we were saying to them. They knew, again, there'd be a big big music cue at a quiet moment and, and you're sitting there going, well, hang on, is something happening that I'm missing? You know, constantly trying to read too much into what they're seeing, which is what Lily's character is doing, always trying to align you with her perspective. So I gave Ben some of that stuff, but then he came up with this, this great like choral element in this film, these strange kind of like weird voices that are like picking off in the distance. They're just reverbing around the stereos mm. um, that he found and the way he kind of, he was, he was doing stuff like, uh, he's finding his kids' toys. This kid had a metal spinning top that he recorded and slowed down and just finding, like, kind of textures um, rather than melodies was was always the thing. So textures and rhythms were what we were kind of working with and, um, yeah, he did an amazing job. It does. It really adds to that dread, as you say, and we're, and we're just really selective about when we use it and when we don't and when there's times when we just go, no, it's not there and, like, let that, let that exist in just the dialogue or the atmospheres and then pick your moment, really. Final question. Um, Monolith represents to me what I love to see in sci-fi filmmaking, especially kind of like the more uh, intimate kind of like sci-fi films, and that is a real real sense of ambiguity in regards to some of its uh, revelations, in regards to some of its plot points and and character development. I like that because it leaves me, the, the viewer, to come up with my own ideas and my own processes about what I saw and how it kind of affects me as a person. You've shown this film quite a bit and went to different festivals, both here um, in Australia, recently at the South by Southwest in Sydney, and, and also in the US at different festivals as well. 
what type of conversations do you have with people afterwards? What type of um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? What type of um, um, thoughts and, and uh, opinions do they have about the material that maybe you never even thought of yourself um, that maybe resonated to you? afterwards or was there some that were really from like far left field that you you thought were <laughs> kind of silly but still worth um still worth i'm um, talking about i mean as you exactly as you say it was always important to to lucy when she was writing the script to to me and bettina when we're delivering a film that like it's just more interesting and particularly with the stuff that we're talking about thematically about like what can you believe and and what how much do we read too much into mysteries and all this kind of stuff that the audience is doing that too and then it's just far more interesting to have questions than it is to present answers what's been in, so we you know we are without spoiling the kind of ending of the film because you say there is ambiguity through that final act um there's some very definite clear things that happen as well and then there's some moments where we're like okay i wonder what that was um we've had people come up and and get the question, which I'm sure you'll know what I mean, but we often get a question about the ending and, and wanting some clarity there, and I refuse to answer because, you know, it, it really is your interpretation is, is as important yeah. as mine. That's kind of the whole point was to leave you in that space. What I think has been pretty unified is, like, thematically everyone's getting it. Like, the, the, when people come up and say, this is what I thought it was about, it's almost always exactly what we intended and that's really gratifying it's like okay like that stuff that we were really that was important to us to kind of communicate is coming through and is like it's feeling really strong for people and they're finding that really interesting um in terms of the story that they have questions and that's great and i and i love that so i've got no qualms with them having questions haven't had too many weird ones you always get um you get q and a's where people say what they think and they'll always be slightly different Mm-hmm. always interesting and i'm always like even if it's one i haven't heard i'm like that's a really interesting take i think that that lives perfectly well um yeah no been fine we get we get some questions about the turtle that occasionally you're like man people really love that tur- <laughs> the turtle <laughs> the only other on-screen character in the film true turtle would who wouldn't eat um, I'm not going to go any more into that though because even that might be a spoiler but um yeah but yeah but um, for everyone out there listening, you can check out Monolith Yourself, October 26th in Australian cinemas. I really recommend people check out this film on the big screen. The score, the photography by Michael Tassari, the uh, performance by Lily Sullivan, and the direction by my guest, Matt Baselli. He's uh, terrific. And Monolith is exactly the kind of film you need to watch uh, with Halloween around the corner. It's a really dread-inducing film. It's a film that's going to ask, uh, have you asking questions afterwards. And, and as I said before, uh, Matt, those, that's my favourite type of sci-fi, the ones that make me ask questions and make me reflect and, 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 and keep me up uh, for a few hours at night just pondering uh, what I saw and, and its uh, relation to, to me as a film goer and as a person. And I thank you for that. And I thank you for your time today as well. And I can't wait to see uh, what's next on the horizon because Monolith is a great... Uh, great uh, first step in the feature field uh feature film world for you and um i think you should be uh very very chuffed with uh, the work that you've done and i um, also just want to make sure you give a uh, congratulations to uh um, lucy and lily and your production team as well and everyone else because they did a great job here thanks i will do and thanks for having me on and yeah look independent australian cinema is, is always tough so if people can get out on that first weekend and check it out it it, it really makes a difference to us so We hope you get out and see it and enjoy it. As you say, Halloween, perfect.